This is Ball on Blast, part of the On Blast Podcast Network, available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. If you like it, then subscribe and tell your friends. Holla. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're far too kind for tuning in once again to another edition of a little thing we like to call the Ball on Blast podcast. My name is Sheldon Alexander. I got my voice back, and I'm joined by my guy, Andrew Webster. Webby, what is good? Oh, Shelly, I'm glad you're feeling better because we are less than a week away from actual NBA basketball. Oh, man. I'm fired up. I'm fired up. Not only am I fired up about that, but my... uh, my Philadelphia Eagles are currently uh, administering an ass-kicking of division rivals up there in New York. So I'm, I'm very happy. I've got uh, I got basketball to look forward to. We're in football. It's really the best time of year, right? Best time of year, especially when you got the Leafs doing what the oh, Leafs are doing right now, too. Sports are just on, amazing. Right? We have to touch on the the young god, Austin. He scored again today. Huh? He's got eight now. Oh, it's it's so good. It's so good. Sports is the best. It's so good. It's so fun. But there's no sport that is like the NBA, right? The NBA, no matter what we think, whenever we think, you know, there's a bit of a lull, we're waiting for games to start. Or we've seen, you know, getting... we've seen all that we were going to see in the in the off season. Yeah, right when we think that, like the NBA, I think we've discussed this this premise before, on the podcast, and I think it was coined by Bill Simmons, the Tyson Zone. Right, or the Trump right? Zone. Well, yes, probably renamed the Trump Zone. But basically it stands for any headline could come up about said person and you would believe it. That was the Tyson Zone, right? So you could hear, like, Tyson fought off 30 people in a bar brawl. You'd believe yeah. it, right? <laughs> like, no matter what the headline is. I feel like the NBA has hit that Tyson Zone. Because there's nothing that surprises me. I just start laughing when things happen. And, of course, the latest thing is this Jimmy Butler. This Jimmy Butler saga that won't end, but just keeps getting better and oh. better and better. Like, when, like you love to say about Meek Mill. What does he say? There's levels there's to this levels shit. There's levels to yes. this shit. Yeah, man. There's levels to this shit. Meek Millie. Oh, my goodness. I don't even know where to start. But I'll, I'll, start, I'll start here, okay? Woj, who we all know is the king of the NBA. So Woj started off in the morning tweeting off, after talks fell apart over the weekend, Miami still pursuing discussions with Minnesota on a Jimmy Butler trade. Butler has been in the T-Bulls locker room with teammates this morning before practice, but that doesn't necessarily mean he'll join them on the floor. I saw that tweet and walked into our morning Mm -hmm. meeting, and I was just like, "Uh, guys, so uh, Woj says... Jimmy Butler's in the locker room. Like, what is happening? <laughs> Throwing rocks then at people. You, yeah, it's like, what? So we know that they were close on the making the trade with Miami, and then at the last second, something hit a snag, and the deal fell apart, right? So I guess now Jimmy Butler came up with this plan because what followed next in this sequence of tweets from Woj, stop me at any point, Webby K. Next tweet, Jimmy Butler practiced with the Timberwolves today. League sources tell ESPN. Next pra- next tweet from Woj. All-star Jimmy Butler participated in Minnesota's practice, a session that included him verbally challenging teammates, coaches, and front office, league sources told ESPN. Butler <laughs> was emotional at times, targeting Thibodeau, Layden, Towns, Wiggins. Story coming soon. At one point, this is another tweet, at one point in a scrimmage, sources said, Butler turned to GM Scott Layden and screamed, 
you bleeping need me. You can't win without me, close quote. Butler left teammates and coaches largely speechless. He dominated the gym in every way. Jimmy is back. (laughs) At this point, because there's more to this saga, but at this point, Webby, what were you thinking? Um, I was thinking that uh, Jimmy is off his meds. (laughs) I just pictured him in like a in like a a gown, you know, uh, like a medical gown out there playing, uh, playing scrimmage against the T-Wolves. No, no, no. The the real thing that I thought was like the look on Wiggins and Towns' face when they were, you know, like getting ready to practice, the door swinging open and it's Jimmy and they're just like, oh shit, I thought we were through with this guy. Exactly, right? It's so crazy. And and you mentioned Wiggins and Towns, and it wasn't that long ago. We discussed it on this podcast. You had Andrew Wiggins in on Twitter talking about keep that same energy to Jimmy Butler, yeah, right? right? And like that wasn't that long ago. So I can't even imagine what it would have been like to see him just in the locker room. And then, because we got all this stuff from from Chris Haynes, right? Yeah. And Chris Haynes had a bunch of other details. And again, Webby, I'm, let's do our – we did this one time before, right, where we did like a, a five-star rating, five being the highest. I'm going to read a bunch of tidbits from Chris Haynes here. You tell me where this ranks on the scale of one to five, okay? Five being the highest, okay? Okay. Here's the first tidbit. Quote, I ain't never seen some shit like that. Jimbo showed out. Close quote. <laughs> One of Minnesota's players five. told Yahoo Sports. <laughs> okay. That's, that's second, five. second tidbit. Butler showed up to practice late and just subbed himself into the scrimmage on the third team to go against the starting group. Five. League sources five. said. Five. Strong five. <laughs> third team. Now, third team. It's my favorite. Who's on the third team? Oh. Like, I don't know who's who are and, the dudes that are on the third team. End of the bench for the Timberwolves? I, I have no idea. But, <laughs> That's amazing. What, so, what, what do they play on NBA on TNT? Uh, what is it? Oh, who he played who for. He played yes. for? Yeah. <laughs> well played. Well played. Next tidbit. Screaming from the top of his lungs, Butler uttered taunts at his teammates such as, they ain't shit and... They soft, league sources said. Easy five. Easy five. (laughs) All right, next one. At one point, Butler found himself guarding Towns in the post. And when the big man received the entry pass, Butler yelled, quote, he can't do shit against me. And Towns ended up kicking the ball out, league sources said. And it's that last last bit that that really I love. How does that happen? He wasn't ready for it. He wasn't ready for the Dude is yelling, these guys are soft. Dude's yelling all this stuff. Towns, you get the ball. You got to go at him. Even if you miss, you got to like old school ball him and like bully ball him. No, please tell me you've got the, do you have another tweet? In oh, there? I'm, I'm still okay, going. Okay, Don't okay, worry. I'm still coming. I, there, I'm still coming. one that's my favorite. So neither Towns or, nor Wiggins confronted Butler at any point, right? When practice concluded, Butler stormed out of the facility without stretching with the rest of his teammates. However, before he departed, Wiggins gave him a hand up. Yeah. It's two. It's two. What happened to Matt's what happened soft. to keep that same energy? Matt's off. What? Matt's off. Well, listen, he is Canadian. I'm sure he apologized. True. True. He's a nice. He's nice, a nice, good old Canadian good boy. Canadian right? boy. Good Ontario boy. <laughs> and then Towns huddled up the players with pick. a message a centered pick. on everyone keeping their emotions in check. League sources said, but according to some of the players, the message was empty. Oh, so I just. I want to be there for it. It's so great. Just that moment in itself. That's my favorite. 
It's the, now, after all this shit goes down, Jimmy Butler, crazier than a shithouse rat, coming <laughs> in there, just going, basically having, I don't know, like, what kind of performance you put this up with, you know, it's like, uh, it's like Kanye at the Pablo tour, you know, it's just like, he's just absolutely insane, uh, and then you try, like, anybody, can anybody, like, save this team, bring it together, Towns just tries and it falls flat. It's so great. It's so great on so many levels. As you said, there's levels to this shit, right? And then, so as we piece the story together, we figure out that this was really a master plan by yeah. Jimmy Butler and his camp, right? And we call it a publicity so stunt where I come from. Exactly. He wanted to get traded. Things stalled. So now he's going to make a scene. He calls up Rachel Nichols, which shout out to Rachel Nichols, by the way. Who is like, not quietly, like noisily becoming like, the premier NBA journalist. Oh, no, no, no. She's a champ of the NBA. Absolutely. She's a, yeah, like LeBron needs something. He calls Rachel Nichols. Like whoever it is, you call Rachel Nichols. Rachel Nichols is a champ of the NBA. That goes without saying, right? So he calls up Rachel Nichols, basically tells her, hey, you probably want to come to Minnesota. I'm ready to talk. Let's do an interview tomorrow. So then he sets all this up, shows up to practice, knows that he's going to do this, hijacks the practice, then sits down with Mrs. Rachel Nichols to talk about it. And like now you know that's going to be splashed all over the internet, all over ESPN. It's all over all of the shows. And now you're basically – we talk about this all the time on the podcast, right, Webby? NBA players are the best at creating their own narratives. Jerry, Jimmy Butler just created his own narrative, his own movie, hmm. his own – like everything, right? Like that was incredible. The, uh, Did you catch much of the interview? I, I caught the just the parts that were just kind of the key parts. Yeah, that were tweeted out. The very gifable moments from my boy Jimmy Butler. Now, I, I, while I agree completely with you that, and I was talking about this with a couple of guys at work, this was completely premeditated. For sure, he knew what Definitely. he was doing, and almost after you kind of see that interview and then go back and read those tweets, you can tell that Jimmy's kind of laying it on thick a little bit. I'm sure that he, yeah. uh, you know, a lot, lot of histrionics, maybe you know, acting it up a bit. But honestly, man, I think that it's way deeper than that. You know, there there are levels to this shit. Sure, this yeah. is a great publicity stunt, but I think that Jimmy knows that it's the trade's not happening. I think so. I, I think that he, I think he can read the writing on the wall. The second go around by Miami falling through, he sees that no team is going to trade for him right now. So you know what he's done. And these were my favorite tweets afterwards. Were the other veteran players that weren't named that are saying, "Wow, uh, he's got a lot of this team now behind him for what he came in and did," rather than slinking well, away. Here's the thing, right? Like he's coming in to try to prove a point. His whole thing is that Wiggins and Towns are soft. And he said it's he said so much in the interview with Rachel Nichols, right? Like, this is not hyperbole. I don't think I'm like can like I'm going crazy connecting dots here. I think the narrative that Jimmy Butler is spinning here is that Wiggins and Towns are soft. And if they're really gonna get to the next level, he's the one that makes them go, right? Because he's the one that's out there busting his ass. And again, shout out to our people that listen to us on the, the Ball on Blast podcast, because I'm pretty sure a couple podcasts ago, Webby, we were discussing the fact of the different upbringings of Jimmy Butler and Towns yeah, and Wiggins, yeah. right? Jimmy Butler's a guy that had to grind for every inch that he got in the game of basketball to not being highly recruited in, in college, 
to being not a high pick in, in the NBA, whereas Townsend Wiggins, highly recruited, highly favored, both top picks in the NBA draft, right? Exactly. And that just comes with a different experience, right? So you're seeing all this now because there are some things he said in that Rachel Nichols interview where he said, I think, uh, who's the most talented person on the team? It's Towns, right? Who's the who's the, has the most like God-given abilities? I think that's the term he used. He's like, that's Wiggs, right? But he's the one that Jimmy is Works the one that the makes it go. Yeah, he said he's not wrong. No. Like, is he wrong? No, there? no, no. He, Do you know he's what I mean? Like, on all three points. Well, those are the complaints we're hearing, right? Because even who was it? I think it was Shams, but someone had this nugget uh, when Wiggins re-signed, and he had to get a verbal commitment. The owner, before he signed the contract, had to get a verbal commitment from Wiggins that he would commit to giving more effort. That's some that's some grade like, school shit. That's a middle that's, that's some middle school shit right there. It's like that's I, like that's the thing and like this is why I'm totally on uh, on Jimmy Butler's side with this. It's like yeah. when you are uh, like when you are almost in babysitting these kids. I mean, Towns and Wiggins yeah. can't be much older than 20, 21 years old. Like they haven't matured yet. And, and I, I understand being frustrated in that situation with those kinds of players. Like that's not Jimmy Butler's here to win basketball games not to help these kids mature, right? And sure for sure. Honestly, though, but it sounds like Jimmy wants to put that on his back. It doesn't sound like he wants to run away from this problem. And, and especially if he's yeah. not going to get traded. I mean, he put out the trade request. It fell through. And it seems to me like this was a little bit of him saying, well, this is this is my lot in life. This is what I've got to be doing. Ooh, that's going to yeah. be a touchdown. Um, <laughs> well, you're right, right? Like Wiggins is 23, Towns is 22. These guys are super young. And the other part to this, right, that I think a lot of people are missing is this is Jimmy Butler coming in and he's doing a huge dick swinging contest here, right? But he's coming in and he's saying, listen, you gave the money, like as your organization, you guys gave the money to these two kids and you don't want to give me the max money, but I'm the one that makes this actually go. Right. And I think that that's the part that people are missing as well. A lot of this. And, and yes, he's talking about he's not getting the super max from the team because they can't afford to obviously mm -hmm. max out Wiggins, max out Towns and give him the super max. That's not going to work. But he's quick to say that it's not even so much about the money, but the principle of, OK, you're going to make him take less. But these other two guys, you're going to max them out already. When again, Jimmy is clearly the one that makes this go. Yeah, no. I, I think that part can't be underlined enough, that, right? That, you're absolutely right. Now, one more thing before, you know, uh, like we kind of move on or whatever. But um, the other great part about this story is the Mark Wahlberg thing. So I saw the headline, but I didn't really click on the story. What so, is that? I saw that, like, the headline of Mark Wahlberg's <laughs> to blame. So I forget who what? it was, but there was somebody who's, like, close to Jimmy Butler's camp, and they – the the idea was that um, that that Jimmy Butler um, was a very down to earth, humble kind of cat. For the first few okay. years, he was in the league, and then he started to get good, and he started to make more famous friends. And the one friend that yeah. he made before his like ego started to get the best of him by this account was Mark Wahlberg. And this person was saying okay. that as soon as Jimmy Butler met Wal Mark Wahlberg and they became friends. Mark Wahlberg put something into his head, and Jimmy Butler was a different person. What? I know. That is amazing. It's so great. I mean, it, 
That is wow. There's there's okay. real, and I like I've seen pictures with Jimmy Butler and Mark Wahlberg hanging out. Yeah, that is incredible. Imagine if like the demise of the Minnesota Timberwolves is because of Mark Wahlberg. That's that's incredible. Um, but again, right as you think this story couldn't get any crazier, right? Where you have a star player basically coming in to diss the other team's stars to try to force a trade out of town. Today, Shams tweets out, Timberwolves all-star Jimmy Butler called a players-only meeting today. Side note, uh, today's news began with the Timberwolves canceling practice. Obviously, one would assume because they didn't want the media around and they didn't want to do any media today. So somehow Shams tweets out, Timberwolves all-star Jimmy Butler called a players only meeting today airing his feelings towards the situation and manage and management per league sources. It was like Festivus. Butler expressed right? Butler expressed to the players he would compete with them as signs pointing to him staying with the franchise into the regular season. To which Jeff Teague, yes, Jeff Teague, starting point guard of said Minnesota Timberwolves, goes to Twitter and at Shams and says, "It wasn't no players only meeting." You just made that up, bro. Y'all got to relax with this fake news. Too good. Webby, there's nothing better than the sarcastic bro. Yeah, (laughs) it's true. Very true. When you're calling someone bro sarcastically, there's nothing better than that. I love the NBA so much. That is incredible. Good one, bro. (laughs) Cool story, bro. (laughs) You mad, bro? Oh, my God. (laughs) So good. The NBA is the best, but... I, I'm gonna ask you, Webby. How does this end? Like, there's no way Butler actually like comes back and 100%. plays with them, right? Yeah, Butler. Think- Butler stays on the Timberwolves. Uh, they can't. Wow. They can't trade him before the season starts, and they get off to an incredible start. They start. The, <laughs> they start the season like ten and one. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Butler, uh, you know, Towns and Wiggins both come out like the fucking house is on fire. Jimmy is the straw that stirs the drink, mm-hmm. and so. And should they keep him? Is that what you're saying? You think they should keep him? Yeah, I do think they should keep him. That's what I was saying last time, too. Yeah, that's true. I wouldn't get that rid of true. this guy. That is true. I hear you. I hear you. And you I know what? Next... We, we love this in sports, too, this tough love concept. And honestly, yeah. we just talked about Wiggins and Towns. What do they need? They need a player like they need a player like Butler. I heard a really good concept. I was listening to the Ringer podcast. Shout out to the Ringer. I think a lot of shit they do at the Ringer is hella dope. There's a good point that someone made on, I think it's their Heat Check podcast, but they're saying people's perception of what happened with this Jimmy Butler situation is so dependent upon if you ever played team sports growing up. Right. And if you and if you didn't play team sports growing up, you don't really understand what Jimmy Butler just did. Right? And you're kind of like, oh, fuck this guy. What's this guy doing? You know what I mean? No. But if you did play team <laughs> yeah, sports, yeah. you're kind of like, this is awesome. This is amazing, right? Are you kidding and, me? Exactly. Like, I've wanted people to do that on exactly. my team while I was playing team sports. Right? Because there's both sides of it. You've played with people who are like Jimmy Butler, and you've played with people who can be as frustrating as Towns and Wiggins, right? Exactly. It's so interesting. And so my, my next question would be, if you were, like, let's take your Sixers, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Or just any other team. Would you want to trade for Jimmy Butler still? Or would you kind of be scared away because these are kind of the antics that he's pulling off in Minnesota? No, I think that every team would be better with Jimmy Butler, uh, not only on the court, but in their locker room. It's the kind of guy. I, it's the kind of guy that I want. 
I wholeheartedly agree, Webby. Sign me up. Sign me up for Jimmy Butler. Give me five Jimmy Butlers on my squad. Let's go. I'll go to war with them, with Jimmy Butler, any day of the week, twice on Sunday. Is that the line? Is that how yeah, it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's go. Um, this story is incredible. I don't know where it's going to end, but again, it's in the Tyson zone. So whatever happens tomorrow, who knows, right? You got, think about this. We're talking about Jeff Teague. I don't even know if I've heard Jeff Teague ever talk. <laughs> going on Twitter to tell a reporter, bro, you made that up. <laughs> and call it fake news. The NBA is really the best. It's so good. It's so good. It's, it's fan-fucking-tastic. But yeah, if you're listening to this podcast, let us know what you th- you guys think of this Jimmy Butler saga. Should Minnesota keep Jimmy Butler? If you're a fan of another team, would you want Jimmy Butler on your team? Let us know what you think, as always. Hit us up on the socials, in the comment section of wherever you listen to this podcast. We want to hear from you. And uh, something else we want to hear from you about, especially uh, Raptors fans. Oof. Oof. Raptors preseason has basically come to an end, right? They had one more game, I think, tonight, as in Thursday night. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure most of the regulars aren't playing, right? So basically, preseason ended on Wednesday night in Montreal. There's a lot to digest. Kawhi, Kawhi didn't really shoot well, but he did everything else. He had seven rebounds, seven assists. He's a defensive beast. We know that. Danny Green was splashing threes from all over the place. That, and yeah. your boy Kyle Lowry got ejected. Yeah. <laughs> your boy Kyle Lowry yeah. was doing Kyle Lowry things. Mr. Webby, what was your biggest takeaway from either last night's game in Montreal or just in general about the Toronto Raptors coming out of this preseason? Uh, how seamless the transition is to these two new faces on the Raptors in, in Kawhi and Danny Green. And how Nick Nurse has, and I know it's still the preseason, preseason, but how he's kind of brought them into the lineup and what he wants their roles to be. Oh, Carson, going deep. Oh, that's a flag. Sorry. <laughs> that's all right. Um, that's all right. Uh, what's the score, by the way? It is 21 to 6. A good guy. 21 to 6. Okay. So, uh, I know what I'm really impressed with is how Nick Nurse has uh, amalgamated these two new pieces into the lineup and how it's going to look. I mean, if this looks similar to what they're going to put out there in the regular season, and these are the roles that these two players are going to make, or two roles these players are going to play, I mean, it, it, it looks really good for the Raptors. I'm sure most fans out there just want to get the season started to see if this is going to be as good as advertised. Now, I, I, I did like the – it was a vintage uh, angry Kyle night. In that last one, <laughs> I, th- I think he started off like 0 for 4 with four turnovers and then got himself yeah. ejected. <laughs> now, obviously, hopefully that Kyle doesn't bring that kind of uh, performance to the regular season, but I hope he brings yeah. that passion. I, and you know how excited I am for really old school, angry, petulant Kyle Lowry. Uh, and, and, and if he can be the tough guy on this team, if he can really be the guy who brings that uh, edge to the Raptors this the season. Kind of bully nature. Yeah, yeah. I, I really think that uh, that would be awesome to see. And I think maybe he doesn't have the biggest year in terms of numbers, but uh, we talked about Jimmy Butler in the locker room, and I don't think that Kyle Lowry is going to let any kind of bullshit happen with any young players or any new players that are that that are in that that share that locker room with him. I don't think he'd have to worry about a guy like Kawhi or Danny Green, but for more of the younger players, like he's going to be a great person to learn from. Uh, Kyle Lowry, though, it, it's super interesting, right? And a lot of people were talking about, you know, we saw a lot of the beat writers talking about Kyle being Kyle or, 
you know, curmudgeon Kyle is. Bad. I call it. I call I, it. I kind of just. Think, I call it master's hat, Kyle. <laughs> well played. Well played. I just kind of think Kyle's Kyle, right? And so he's going to argue with refs because that's just what he does, right? In every game, and I don't think he has an off switch. So he's going to drive. He's going to try to get a call, or a call gets made against him, and he's then going to just harass and try to bully that referee. That's just what Kyle Lowry's going to do. And at a certain point. He gets ejected, whatever. We saw Steve Kerr do the same thing, whereas I know Steve Kerr's your boy, but Steve Kerr blatantly said, I don't really want to be my here boy. anyways. My boy? Why is Steve Kerr my boy? <laughs> oh, just because while I continue to hate on the Warriors and the fact that Steve Kerr is not a good coach because anyone could coach the Warriors. Listen, was Phil Jackson a good coach? <laughs> yes. Okay, then Steve Kerr is a good coach. The Warriors are not. A, the Warriors are more stacked than... 100%. 100%, but they've won multiple championships. That's fair. That is fair. But, I mean, like sticking with the Lowry thing, I'm not bothered by it because I feel like Kyle's going to do this in the regular season. Like this is just Kyle Lowry, and he kind of got to take the good with the bad. And I think a fired-up Kyle Lowry, the reason why I don't think this will blow up is because there's Fred Van – first off, the Raptors are going to be good. So Kyle has no choice but to play ball because they don't really – like they need him, but they don't need him need him. You know what I mean? Like if shit hits a fan – you're plugging in Freddie, who's ready to go anyways, and then you still have DeLon. Yeah. And Although the DeLon injury, the, eh, that wasn't... True, true. But we know the monster that <clears throat> the monster that this Raptors bench can be, and you, you mentioned your biggest takeaway so far is how seamless the transition's been. Kawhi looks great, and him being healthy is a massive factor. And you know what's funny? So both on uh, Tim and Sid today, it was funny, they were talking about has there been a shift in the narrative from the fan base? Like fa- the fan base seems to be re- really fired up. Whereas you go back a couple months ago and people were all rattled that they traded DeRozan. Right. Right. Now you fast forward and people seem to be fired <laughs> yeah. up. And you know, it's funny cause I got a friend for, I got a text from a friend and it was one of my friends who was super salty about the trade, like super <laughs> salty, nonstop, so angry. And last night I got a text message and just said, Oh, my favorite number is number two, by the way. And I'm like, what? I'm like, I thought it was number 10. It's like, no, no, no. It's really number two. So it's kind of weird because Kawhi has like my number now. And I'm like, hold on a second. I'm not letting you off the hook. (laughs) You're talking all greasy, right? And it's funny because I feel like it represents the fan base in terms of what's going on with the fan base right now, right? And have you kind of noticed that narrative kind of shift now that we're actually seeing Kawhi in uniform and seeing the – I know it's preseason, but still just what this team can – can look like, like a glimpse into what this team can look yeah. like. And and I, I, I think that it was sure seeing a healthy Kawhi, finding out that he was healthy, that this calf problem doesn't seem to be affecting him this year. But I also think it's the coverage of what the Raptors are going to look like from uh, not just the Canadian media, but, but the American international NBA yes. coverage as well. Uh, getting getting oh, yeah. legitimized by having others say that your team is going to finish in the top two, top three of the conference will go a lot to convince the fan base that this was a good idea to make. And it's almost like these Raptors fans are waking up to the fact that, yeah, you know what? We do have a top five player in the NBA on our team. And we are in a weaker conference now that LeBron is gone. And if a couple things go right, we could 
be in the conference finals and maybe even beat a Boston or a Philadelphia to get to the finals. We've got the right player to do it, and we've got the right system there. We're deep. We're everything that you want a finals contender to be. And it just seemed like it took a couple of months for the Raptors fans to kind of wake up and smell those roses. Yeah, and realize that, hey, your squad was already nice. You just swapped out an all-star for an MVP candidate. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, And on top of that, the, the other part that I think people are going to be surprised about, right? Because I don't think people really watch San Antonio games like front to back like that. Maybe with that when they're winning championships, cool. But I don't think people fully know how good Kawhi Leonard is. Right. That's the first thing. Second thing is... I definitely don't think people understood how good Danny Green was. And that was a thing that we talked about right away when this trade went down, Webby. We both said, let's not forget about the fact you're adding a whole other starter to your team as well. Not only a starter, but a guy who fits in so well with what every NBA team is trying to get done. Uh, And a guy who can fit into your system really well. A guy that almost you were missing. Mm-hmm. Uh, right? Like, you're talking about shooting threes and playing defense, and that's exactly what Danny Green's going to come in and do, and he's a vet with championship pedigree. Like, let's remove Ka- – I, I know this might sound crazy, but follow me. Let's just say you still had DeMar and you added in Danny Green. That would have been such a massive pickup yeah. for this team. Do you know what I mean? So now you combine that with Kawhi, and it's like, people – don't sleep on Danny Green. He's a key, key addition to this team. And it's going to be so fun to watch. So glad to see where this Raptors team might go. And the one the one pause, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you this to close out this segment yep. here, Webby. Should Raptors fans really be this hype? Or should we kind of chill a little bit because it's only the preseason? No, honestly, this is the best shot that the Toronto Raptors have to make the finals in, in their history. I agree. I agree, man. I totally, totally I mean, I know agree. that's kind of crazy to say, but there's no LeBron in this conference anymore and you've got a top you've got an MVP candidate on your team. I mean, this sure. this, this is a great opportunity if if you're going to do it, you may as well do it now, right? For sure. And we'll get a little bit more t- into the uh, Eastern Conference Finals a little later. We'll do some predictions here for the regular season coming up, but uh just again, Toronto Raptors season gets underway on Wednesday at home against the Cavs. Friday, they play Boston. And then Saturday, they're in Washington. So right away, we'll get to know a lot about this Toronto Raptors team. That Boston game on Friday is going to be great. Woo! Going to be lit. And also, just a warning, people, on Blast listeners, there might be something in the works, details to come. Stay tuned. But just letting you know, just throwing that out there, tossing that out there. Well, you can always you can always follow us whenever there's NBA games going on because I'm sure oh. we'll be watching. For sure, totally. Uh, can't wait for the season to start. And Webby, I'm sure you can't wait for your Sixers. So you know what? I blocked out some time. I, here, I appreciate Webby. it. I, I just want you to tell me what's going on with the Sixers. What's going on with your squad? Okay, so there's a couple of things this year. Uh, we talked about the Raptors. This being their best chance to make uh, the NBA Finals in franchise history. This has got to be the Sixers' best chance to make the NBA Finals since they had a one Allen Iverson on their team. And they actually did make the okay. NBA Finals. Now, uh, for, for a lot of years uh, leading up here in this trust the process process, uh, uh, some of the best Philly Sixers highlights that I've seen have been on Instagram. And that includes <laughs> Joel Embiid windmill dunking and Ben Simmons playing pickup games in, in, uh, in Australia. And, and this offseason has been very much the same. 
Yeah. I, I, I'm really happy to have social media here to watch the progression of guys like Simmons, of guys like Markel Fultz, as he get ready for this really important season. Now, a lot of people out there um, in the offseason were a little disappointed that the Sixers didn't make a big splash. I think the only big name that they really added to their team was Wilson Chandler. And that's yeah. that, that doesn't really necessarily uh, that's not really necessarily the biggest sexiest pick uh, pickup in the off season. But you know what? Like I'll, I'll bring you back to something that Joel Embiid said back in August, and I read this today. Actually, I didn't even read it when he said it in August. But this is the attitude of the Sixers right now, uh, uh, heading into the season. So this was uh, Embiid telling reporters when my season ended, there was a lot of talk about adding guys. I literally did not really care because I want to get better. I want to be better than those guys that were mentioned if I'm not already better than them. That was my message. Just going into the offseason, finally the first one healthy and able to do whatever I want. That was my goal regardless. So I love that Embiid is taking, you know, not a woe, woe is me, woe is us mentality into this season about not landing any free agents. He knows yeah. that this team is good enough to get to the NBA Finals. So I, I'm, I'm ready for the Sixers. Again, it's going to come down to health. Uh, if Simmons and Embiid and T.J. McConnell can stay healthy, uh, <laughs> uh, they're they're going to be T.J. McConnell. You know, yeah. you know my, I love my T.J. McConnell. But it, honestly, if those two guys can stay healthy for you know what sixty five seventy games, mm-hmm. the sky's the limit for the Sixers, man. Yo, man, I'll be honest with you. I, I love that talk. I love that mentality from Joel Embiid. That like. We don't not that we don't need LeBron, but I don't necessarily want LeBron because I'm trying to beat LeBron. I love I love that mentality. Yeah, that's I big. Think that's great. And Ben Simmons just has the way that Ben Simmons carries himself it's on the so court. It's so cool. Yeah, I, I I like it a lot. There's something about him, and I I hate the term swagger. I feel like that's been like beaten yeah. to death maybe five years ago. But like, there's just an aura about him. The way that he carries himself on the court, like he's not backing down from anybody he's not afraid of anybody he wants to guard up on anybody he'll try to take anyone to the block like the Sixers seem are, is super interesting and again the only the only issues or worries that people are going to have are can these guys stay healthy that's it right other than that I mean the Sixers are one of the teams that you want to watch night in night out because they are super excited they play a great style of play they have great depth like a guy like Sarich Oh. Doesn't get any headlines oh, at all. You know. But he's so good. I hear a ball on blast. We're big Sarich fans. You For gotta sure. be. The get the he does everything right and it never looks like it's gonna work. Uh are you cool with Elton Brand? You know what? I am cool with Elton Brand. I'm cool uh listen, we're Maple Leafs fans. The Toronto Maple Leafs made a big splash in uh hiring a guy named a, a guy, a young lad named Kyle Dubas. To be their general manager, <laughs> yes. and I really think that, uh, you know what, if you want to make some change, if you want to be an outlier in this uh, NBA system, sometimes you have to think outside the box. And I, I really like Elton Brand, and it's going to be interesting to see what he can do as the season goes on. If there are team needs that the Sixers have, if he can get it done. But I, I don't mind the hire at all. I mean, it's better than not having anybody there, which it looked like it was yeah. going to be for a little while. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind it at all. I, I would assume that obviously he's done a good job since he's been in the front office. And truth be told, I wouldn't have, if you had told me that he was still like the 14th man on you the bench. You would have believed. I think he was like, last yeah. year. 
No, but that's what I mean. Like, I, I definitely would have believed that. So, you know, obviously that means that he has some insight, some real insight into the team and the inner workings of the team and the coach and the players and stars, all that. So Here's the other thing. I you mean, know where it's a matter of experience, and they'll put people around them that have experience, right? You know where he went to school? To Duke. Yeah, he's a smart guy. <laughs> not like Every hi- time. it's not like hiring Jawan Howard to be your general manager or somebody who went to like a crappy state school, man. Elton Brand went to my- Duke. Every time I think about every time I think about Elton Brand and Duke, I think of this one story. And while you were just talking, Webby, in my head, I was like, "Can I tell this story? Can I tell this story?" And, I, and then I'm like, "Of course I can tell this story." So uh, before I worked at Sportsnet, obviously worked at the Score, where me and Webby both worked at the Score. The Score is a place now where you look across the media landscape, and you have alumni like Bomani Jones, Renee Young, the Starters. Renee Young. I can't believe I actually just called her Renee. Renee Young. Young. Renee, 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 Renee Paquette. Paquette. Say her name, right? Renee I can't Paquette. Believe I, I actually just called her Renee Young. That's weird. But my point is, you see the starter. Shout out to them. There's a lot of people all over the media landscape now that worked at one point, passed through the score. Not to mention the Elliot Friedmans of the world. Oh, my God. Tim and Sid. Yeah, right? man. So many people passed through the score. Cabby. Like, Bob amazing, Cat? amazing Bob Cat pass through the score? I don't think so. Oh, he's been the fan for life. Forever? the life right. for life i'm pretty sure but anyways like one of the most talented people i got the chance to work with was at Anvert. okay and i always tell this story to try to explain to people just not only how talented he is but how smart this guy is right so at one point i was working on our nba show and i think verk was down there maybe hosting like the raptors pregame or whatever yep. and i was scheduled to do an interview with elton brand so I was obviously it wasn't going to be on camera. I was just going to ask him questions and then put the story together after, right? So, turning the corner, walking out of the media room, and I bump into Virk. And Virk's like, "Hey, Shelly, what's going on? What are you doing?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm just about to go interview Elton Brand, like just for uh, court surfing or whatever the show was at the time." And Virk's like, "Oh, who's doing it? Like, do you want me to do it?" I'm like, "Can you? Like, do you have time?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, I can do it. No problem." And so I give Virk the questions that I had, okay? Yeah. And in the we walked maybe 20 feet, and I'm not exaggerating, 20 feet. Virk looks at the piece of paper. Elton Brand's at the end of the 20-foot mark. So as me and Virk are walking towards Elton Brand, <laughs> Virk literally looks down at the paper. He's like, okay, yep, Duke, uh, yep, uh, drafted, Sixers, blah, 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 blah. Okay, yep, cool. I'm like, you good? He's like, yeah, yeah, I got it. Grabs the mic. Says, hey, Elton Brand, what's going on? How you doing, man? Hey, I'm Adnan from The Score. He's like, looks at the camera guy. He's like, you ready? Camera guy's like, yep. Turns on the camera. He's like, I'm Adnan Verk here with the right brand, Elton Brand. And just goes into the (laughs) spiel and knocks off every single question. And I'm like, how did he just do that? Right? Like, it was literally 30 seconds that this all came together. And he looks, seen him, walked down and just went boom, 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 boom. Knocked off every question. Like, was perfect obviously like is entertaining once a camera yeah. lights came on but i was dropped just like, in like six movie references <laughs> right it was honestly so amazing and even me telling the story poorly doesn't fully emphasize just how crazy it was to turn the corner and be like hey what are you doing oh interviewing elton brand cool let me read the questions in 25 seconds <laughs> yep 
cool. Here we are. Camera guy ready? Yep. Got the mic. Let's go. What? He is like, uh, He is a, a legend, Adnan Burke. And, absolutely and still and, one of the people who I'm so happy. Uh, obviously, I'm watching a ton of college football every Saturday. Yeah. And it's so great having Adnan come in. They'll be like, ooh, we got a big score in Alabama. Or we're going to Adnan at half. And yeah, I always, yeah. I always tweet him out. And I'm like, Verky, it's so great spending Saturdays with you again. <laughs> right? It's so crazy. And the reason I, br- I had to bring that up because every time I think of Elton Brand, I will always think of that think story. Of and you said Elton Brand and Duke. Like I, I always go back to Verk reading the questions and being like, okay, yep, Duke, yep, getting drafted. Elton Brand, yep, okay, cool, got it. <laughs> Just a no pro. matter what. Every time I think of Brand, I think of, I think of that story. So yeah, had to take some time for that. But yeah, shout out to the Sixers. Elton Brand leading them into the next, the next, uh, the next station of the process, yeah. the next faction of the, the next process. step of the process for sure. Listen, you got to trust it. That's all you got to do. <laughs> Simple enough, right? So you know what? Another thing we wanted to do, Webby, we wanted to kind of rifle through some awards, not all, because like who really cares about coaching? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't want to do executive. Whatever. You don't want to do executive of the year. Not really, but we'll kind of pick and choose some things and, like, let's try to make some predictions for the season. And one of the places to start that's always fun is Rookie of the Year. So, Webby, I'll start with you. Who do you think will win Rookie of the Year? Oh, well, listen, it's tough. I'd love to give you a cool off-the-board pick, but honestly, because of the team that he's playing on, uh, because I think that they're actually going to be kind of better than a lot of people expect, and because I think that he's going to have the media, especially our NBA blogger friends behind him, and because he's a little doughy, or maybe ju- <laughs> or maybe just white, I'm going to go Luka Doncic. Uh, I, I, I'm really okay. excited to watch him play. Like I say, I think that having him and Dennis Smith Jr. on the same team uh, with DeAndre Jordan – I don't know. Yeah. If, listen, Luka Doncic certainly won't be bringing Lob City to Dallas, but I'm yeah. really excited to uh, to watch that kid's skills and how they transition into the NBA. And I think that if he has any success at all and puts up any kind of consistent numbers, then he's not only going to be a good Rookie of the Year candidate, but I think he might be one of the top Euro guys in the league. Interesting. Very interesting. I mean, that's a, that's a obviously it's a – it's a fun pick, right? It's a, it's a popular pick, Luka Doncic, and people are super excited. Obviously, as you mentioned, he was playing against men, so and we've seen him do that. So it's interesting to see how that will transition into the NBA. But I'm, I'm going a little different here, Webby. And I will say the reasoning for my pick is a little different because most often than not, the person that wins Rookie of the Year is just a rookie who's on a team that gets a lot of minutes, and the team might not be good, but that rookie will be able to put up numbers. And so I'm going to go with the Atlanta Hawks, Trey Burke. Ooh, because you saw the game winner that he hit against the Spurs last night? So here's the thing. First off, the game winner is absolutely ridiculous, right? From half court. It kind of does fit into my narrative as to why this is a thing, okay? He'll have the keys to an offense in which he can do whatever he wants, right? Lloyd Pierce is our new coach. Lloyd Pierce is a guy who... He's coached around. Whose name I have never heard. Different places. <laughs> well, follow me for a second. Okay. Right? He's been assistant coach at a bunch of different places, worked in player development, actually played at Santa Clara with Steve Nash. So there's some Canadian ties, just a little interesting little tidbit there. But also, Lloyd Pierce had some time in Golden State. He and the new GM of the Atlanta Hawks both actually right. came from Golden State. And their whole game plan is to kind of create – 
a Golden State light in the Atlanta Hawks. And you know what? They're putting Trey Burke in the Steph Curry role. So if you're telling me, and it, it's funny, right? What is the I literally Steph wrote, Curry role? The Steph Curry role where you just jack up shots <laughs> yeah. anytime you want. Just like, just like exactly what you're talking about last night. Now, is he Steph Curry? No, that's not what I'm saying. But what this means is that he will be getting a lot of shots in an offense that is designed to get buckets, right? Right. They're going to allow him to go up and down and shoot reckless shots, and they're not going to win a lot of games, but he will put up a lot of points. And he's going to be a point guard in a free-flowing offense, shooting mid from mid-court game winners, as you mentioned, Webby. And again, how often have we seen the rookie of the year just be a guy on a bad team that can take whatever shot he wants? So... If you're going to give me the low-budget Steph Curry, rookie year Steph Curry in the Atlanta Hawks, let's go. I'm, I'm with Future and Migos <laughs> cheering for, nice. cheering walking, for the Hawks. Walking like you're talking. Let's go, Trey Burke. All right, if you're going off-brand off uh, Steph Curry, I'm going off-brand Dirk Nowitzki. <laughs> let's go, right? Uh Again, with all these awards, too, people, if you disagree with us, let us know. Just hit us up in the comments of wherever you listen to this podcast or add us at Twitter, on Twitter or Instagram, whatever. Next topic, Webby, who will win MVP? Are you going to start with me? Yeah. LeBron James. <laughs> LeBron James. I think I said this last okay. year, too. We we both picked. That's funny you mentioned that because I was trying to think back. And, yes, I think we both picked LeBron James last year. And I don't think we were that far. No, I, he finished second in voting, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with LeBron again uh, this year because I think that the L.A. Lakers are going to increase their win total by enough and uh, be maybe not a super high seed, but as Russell Westbrook showed us a couple years ago, you don't necessarily need to be a number one seed to be an MVP. And I think that the other guys who are kind of in contention, when you look at Giannis or at Tedekumpo or uh, ah, Harden, for sure, but I think Harden might be splitting votes with, uh, you know, maybe even Chris Paul if they're that good. Um, but if the Lakers are a 50-win team, uh, I think that LeBron will win another MVP. It's super interesting, too, because you mentioned Harden, and I think there might be a reluctance to give it to James Harden two years in a row. Yeah. Right? Like, that's just a thing that happens, right? Like, I feel like he'd have to dominate so much again for people to give him the MVP two years in a row because people are always searching for storylines. And I think you're right in the sense that LeBron would give a storyline. LeBron in L.A., that's definitely a storyline. And it's funny, if you go back and listen to last year's podcast when we were picking why LeBron would be MVP, we did say one of the main reasons would be because LeBron is going to go out banging because it might be his last year in Cleveland and here we are, one year later. And you know what? He's, he's going to come out banging because it's his first year in L.A. And if he wants to win over those Kobe stands like we've been talking about, he's got to come out and show out. And I, it's LeBron James. I, I'm pretty confident that he can do that. Were you surprised by how like they were going hard at each other last night, that game against the Warriors? I didn't see it. Lakers Warriors, they were, it was highly contested. Like LeBron played like 18 minutes or something like that, and it had like – 15 and 10 or something like he was going hard like and one layups and flexing the muscles hitting like he hit like one like half court three and stood there struck a pose <laughs> Lance is beside no. him getting like <laughs> being his hype man Listen. there's so much going on I'm like whoa okay I did they're, they're see, ready I did see the uh was it LeBron who threw the uh 
who did Allie the to Lonzo? No, no, no. The long snap to Rondo. Yes. Yeah, yeah. that I mean that was <laughs> weird to see, considering all the history that Garnett and Rondo had against LeBron. Seeing him do that to with Rondo, that was pretty yeah. weird. That was pretty weird. You're also correct in the sense that there'll be a lot of stats out there for the Lakers because I feel like the Lakers are just going to try to run people out of the gym yeah. because they won't be able to play defense. And they got like these super athletes where you're looking at the five being played by either JaVale McGee or LeBron or Kuzma. Yeah. <laughs> right? So yeah. and, if and, that's your team. And this team looks built to run too. Exactly. Uh, as you mentioned LeBron, I, I wanted to mention this headline that I saw just because of how crazy it was. But the headline says – at one point, LeBron James considered signing with the Raptors last summer. Jesus. Did you see this? No. How surprised this, this didn't even get much pub, but uh, Joe Varden of The Athletic was on Yahoo Sports Podcast, and he said, I think at one point Toronto was kind of a dark horse there. I think there was some sniffing around on both ends. Oh, that would have been, <laughs> been crazy. Right? That's so crazy, crazy, crazy. But, I mean, obviously that didn't happen. But the fact that that's even a thing is a credit to Masai. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's known throughout the league for being that guy. Being that dude, exactly. Which leads us to who my MVP pick is, and it's Kawhi Leonard. Wow. Here's the thing. Kawhi Leonard, I think, can win MVP, and it's based around the fact that last year the Toronto Raptors won 59 games without Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green. Now you add those two players, and if they're healthy – with this offense, them fully buying into this offense, and the next wave of what this offense will be will be the splitting up of JV and Surge, right? But also the running of the offense through the five and having just, you know, Kawhi will be able to get easy buckets, right? He's not going to be having to grind out one-on-one, you know, iso ball to get his buckets. There will be easy buckets made just from the style of offense. He shoots better threes in that DeMar DeRozan slot, and the bigger thing is he just has a name. Right? Yeah. So now, if the Raptors winning 59 games and DeMar DeRozan doesn't have that name, he can't even get a sniff into the MVP talk, right? But now you add in Kawhi Leonard. And if Kawhi Leonard averaged DeMar DeRozan's numbers last year, which we know that Kawhi can average better than that, but if he does that and the Raptors win 60-plus games and are first in the East, Kawhi is going to get serious consideration for MVP, and I don't – and the storyline angle of it, I could see Kawhi winning MVP this year. Oh, wow. I could see – I mean, if you're betting, I think that Kawhi probably has some really, really smart odds. Uh, I'm, sure. I'm sure he's not in the top five. You know, you could probably get him at a good price. And the that's, is, that's really smart. I mean, you got to think, too, if you look at the East – uh, again, no LeBron playing in this conference anymore. Look at a team like Boston. That that that's a good team, but they don't have one guy. I mean, they have a couple of guys. Yeah. You look at the Sixers; it's the same thing. Like, sure, maybe Embiid could have an insane year, but you figure if Embiid is having a good year, Simmons is having a good year too. And just like exactly. I said about Paul and, and and Harden, maybe splitting some votes uh, could happen in Philly. Let's hope that happens in Philly. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if this if the Raptors are a number one seed, um, the the only thing is that I would say that kind of backs up my pick with LeBron is that that team doesn't have uh, as far to go. Like 
you know what I mean? Like the Raptors, like you said, they won. I know what you mean. They won, they won 59, 59 without Kawhi. How much better can they be with Kawhi? But if he puts up crazy numbers and the defensive stats are there and they're number one seed, I could easily see it happening. That's an awesome pick. And I'm just seeing people buying into narratives, right? And again, I'm not even saying Kawhi has to average like that crazy numbers. I'm saying that if Kawhi averages DeMar's numbers from last year because of the name, but adding in the storyline of you know, the Raptors going out on a limb to get Kawhi Leonard and Kawhi Leonard coming back off of an injury and now have, like, you add that mystique to a Raptors team winning 60 games, which they almost did last year, so I wouldn't be surprised if they did this year. Do you know what I mean? I'm saying you add in the storyline. What do we know about writers? Obviously, they love narratives. They love storylines, right? So, yeah, my pick for MVP is Kawhi Leonard. The only thing that can make this point moot is if Anthony Davis comes out and averages... 32, 15, 5, and 6. <laughs> you know, true. it's like... True, it's true, like, true, Or, or Giannis true. comes out and averages almost a triple-double. Like, that could make our narrative point a little moot. But I, I agree with you that those writers like to award the story. It's why Russell Westbrook won in averaging a triple-double the other year, right? For sure. Totally. Uh, let's, let's lighten things up a little bit here. And we're going to... I'm going to let you pick first, Webby. But who will win the... Feed me MVP. <laughs> if you follow the show, you know that Feed Me is our social media segment, right? Where we talk about the most interesting things to come across our social media feeds or timelines, right? So, who will be the Feed Me MVP and dominate social media this year, Mr. Andrew Webster? Well, the New York Knicks aren't going to win many games this year. Okay. We know that. But I'll tell you who wins on social media all of us. Because Ennis Cantor. Is an absolute gem when it comes to his pettiness and, and and his humor on Instagram and Twitter, and and I think that that you know, like I say, it's going to be a very very long season in New York, and Ennis is not one who who shies away from uh, from a challenge, whether it comes from uh, you know uh, the dictator of his homeland in Turkey, a Drogan, or LeBron James. And so I'm expecting a lot of emojis from our friend Ennis. Uh, You know, every time they get beat down and some fans start to get on him, I'm sure he's going to clap back on Twitter. I I can't wait. I can't wait. And maybe maybe even gets Jesus Amaro involved too. That's what I'm hoping. Uh, I know there's shows coming back in on Showtime sometime, but they need to have Ennis Canner on. I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at that at all, Webby. I like that. I like that actually. I went in a different direction, though, and I went in a direction of one man and one man only. This is the same man that had the grad quote that read, his high school grad quote read, get girls or die trying. Oh. That is one J.R. Smith, (laughs) okay? The reason why I'm picking J.R. Smith is because we're talking about a guy who last year (laughs) made headlines because he got suspended for throwing soup on his coach, okay? What was it, uh, chicken tortilla soup? <laughs> something, something like that. Something yeah. like that, I think. But in the offseason, we've already seen J.R. Smith at Cleveland Browns games taking his shirt off in the crowd for some unexplained reason just because he's J.R. Smith. We've seen J.R. Smith already make headlines because the NBA has warned him that he needs to cover up his Supreme tattoo <laughs> that he got yeah. across his calf. Yeah. <laughs> so that, or he might face fines if he leaves it exposed. And the season hasn't even started yet. But most importantly, when LeBron James isn't here to steal his shine. So I'm going with J.R. Smith. 
J.R. Smith will be the feed me MVP just because it's J.R.'s time to shine, man. Let's go. It's like uh, with no LeBron there in Cleveland, it's like taking off a restrictor plate on a race car. <laughs> right. It's just like you're going to get full the full J.R. Smith experience. It's like every time I try to explain to someone why the NBA is the best and, and like why it's so much fun, I just think of this guy got suspended because he threw soup on an assistant coach, and we know about <laughs> it, right? Like, I'm sure it's fucked up so shit good. like that happens in other sports. Like, I'm sure, right? But that stuff just doesn't get out. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure there's disagreements and, and like, fucked up shit that happens in other sports. Yeah. But, like, J.R. Smith's a guy who's been suspended for un- or paid fines for untying people's shoes at the free throw line for taking pictures of his girlfriends or Instagram models in thongs in his bed and just posting it for some strange oh, reason. Who like, wants the pipe? Who wants the pipe? J.R. Smith has been suspended for and has received fine for so many things that I can't wait to see what's going to happen when LeBron's not there to, I don't want to say keep him in check, but at least have him down gear a couple times. You know what I <laughs> yeah. mean? Like, oh, So yeah. that's going to be fun. Can't wait for that. Uh, the next kind of fun award here, Webby, is who's going to be your league pass team this year? Okay, so I'm guessing we've got to do away with the Lakers. Well, I'm going to cheat here a little bit. And I know that the Lakers shouldn't count, but I'm not really picking the Lakers. I'm picking the okay. Lakers bench of Lance, JaVale, Rondo, <laughs> LeVar Ball. Like, forget about LeBron. We know LeBron's awesome. I think Ingram's going to be great. Kuzma's going to be great. But I'm here to watch Lance and JaVale McGee ball out on the Lakers. That's what I want to see. That's why I'm here on League Pass. I'll be tuning into every single Lakers game because what is Lance going to do? What is LeVar going to do? LeVar's been crazy quiet. Can that really last for the whole season? I don't know, but I'm here to find out and follow the Lakers night after night and see what they're up to. That's my league pass team, even though I know that's a cheat, but I'm going with the Lakers bench. If we're going strictly by playing, um, I would probably say, I don't know. I'd probably say Dallas. Like I know, you know that I like my doughy, uh, my doughy <laughs> Lithuanian uh, Doncic. I think he's going to be fun to watch. But in terms of actual drama, what we want to see out there, we've been talking about him in this podcast already. Tell me, you're not going to want to tune into Minnesota Timberwolves game? <laughs> Are you kidding me? I, especially if they keep Jimmy Butler. This is what we want to see every night. There's going to be a chance that Jimmy Butler takes a swing at either Towns, Wiggins, or both. Are you kidding me? I'm definitely going to be tuning into their games. Faux show. One last NBA prediction. Who will win the NBA Finals? Now, is it it just a foregone conclusion it's the Warriors? Yeah? (sighs) Because my Warriors ban is going into effect, right? For those unfamiliar, I, I told people at the start of last season that you will enjoy the NBA season a lot more if you don't pay attention to the Golden State Warriors. And what I mean by that is they're just going to dummy teams. They don't care about the regular season. Most of the time when they lose, it's because they decided they were going to lose before the game started and they don't care. They have players coaching in the middle of certain games where Steve Kerr is just chilling. I do not pay attention to the Golden State Warriors during the regular season unless they're playing like four teams, like the or Raps, No, Rockets, when they're playing Thunder. on Thursday, when they're playing Thursday nights, you know, or they're yeah, playing like a national like, game that then I'll, then I'll pay attention, but you're right. I'm not going to be watching, uh, uh, 
I'm not going to be watching their home broadcast or anything. No, I'm not watching. I'm not here for like Warriors Kings. Like nah. miss me with miss me with that stuff. Right. I'm, I honestly, I'd rather watch the Kings play, you know, the Heat <laughs> or something than watch the. I, I agree with you there, but uh, unfortunately, Shelley, I do believe that. Uh, they will win again. Yeah, as Ric Flair says, uh, to be the man, you got to beat the man. And so, I'd like I'd like to say that if the Raptors got in the finals, they might have a chance. If Boston gets in there, they might have a chance. Or if the Sixers get in there, they might have a chance. But to be honest, you and I both know that's not true. So but, then let's let's make it a more interesting conversation. Then who will the Warriors be facing in the NBA Finals? No. Who, Mister Andrew Webster, will win the East? Okay. Who's, who will win? Not who's who do going you want to, to win? win? Who's going to win or who will win? Because who I as much as this sucks, who's going to win is is the Boston Celtics. Okay. Uh not only did they like getting Gordon Hayward back this year, whatever you think about Gordon Hayward as a as a basketball player and where he stands as, you know, where he ranks in the league or whatever. He's a good basketball player, and uh, the, the gruesome injury he suffered last year was something that nobody wants to see. Uh, but honestly, getting him back is like trading for Gordon Hayward. Yeah. It's like the Sixers thing of, of getting first-round picks you know, a year after they play. It, it, it's like getting a trade uh, of this guy coming to your team and not losing anything. Not only that, but as we've mentioned many a time on this podcast, uh, Brad Stevens is an NBA coaching genius. Yeah. Uh, like getting him uh, ready for this season, like I, I just don't see how the Celtics don't make the finals this year unless, A, there's injuries, and with Kyrie Irving there's always a chance. I, I Very rarely does he ever make it through a full season without something happening to the knee, the leg. I know that he's got infection problems there. And then the other thing is if Kawhi plays his balls off. And, and, the, and the Raptors really do improve on a 59-win season with one of the better players in the NBA on their team. Or if, you know, Embiid and Simmons make the complete leap to superstardom. But coming into the season, coming into the first game of the season on Tuesday, I, I look at Boston and I just don't see how it doesn't result in an NBA Finals appearance for them. So this is the thing, and I'm going to preface this by saying I am not doing this as being a homer. But I'm saying that the Toronto Raptors are making the NBA Finals. Ooh. And the, the reason why I'm saying this is because the Toronto Raptors were already a good team. Some would argue that the Toronto Raptors were already built in years past to get to the NBA Finals. They just didn't have the top-tier talent to get over, to match up well enough against other teams' best players. Now with Kawhi Leonard, you're going into most series where you can say that you have the best player in the series. Add that to having a deep team, that's where the depth of your team matters, right? Your depth didn't really matter if your top two isn't that good. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Follow me for a second here, right? I do, the other, yeah. The other thing to remember here is that you're replacing Kawhi Leonard, and obviously, yes, this is hinging on a healthy Kawhi Leonard, but you're replacing Kawhi Leonard into a rotation to which we told you here on the Ball on Blast podcast, right? Every year, DeMar DeRozan's numbers went up in the regular season. And you know what? Every year in the playoffs, his numbers went down. And he averaged less than he averaged in the regular season. You're now subbing that out for a finals MVP in Kawhi Leonard. He's not scared. He's not worried of the moment. 
He's not shy at the moment. He's ready to go. And then add in Danny Green, who also gives you more playoff experience and veteran experience. You're also hearing things where Danny Green's talking about he hasn't seen Kawhi this engaged and this vocal in huddles, in timeouts, in practices. Like, I know I might be sipping the Kool-Aid of what's going on in the preseason, but to make picks about the NBA Finals, this is what you kind of got to do. And so it's not even just that. But I also have too many issues with the Boston Celtics. Namely, I don't think there's enough minutes to go around for everybody, and I could see that becoming a problem for that team. I just don't know how you can go from relying on Jalen Brown and Tatum that much to now telling them, okay, you guys got to take a step back. Also, too, that I find very important, look it up. Kyrie Irving has had more seasons where he's been injured than seasons that he's been healthy. So how am I to believe that and just assume that Kyrie Irving's going to be healthy when history tells me that he's injured more than he's healthy? I'm just saying there's question marks around the Boston Celtics. There's question marks about will all these pieces fit? And I'm willing to bet on the Raptors more than that. So I, I'm saying the Toronto Raptors will be your Eastern Conference champion. I see what you're saying. And I see a lot of similarities between the two teams. For sure. Uh, of being very deep, of having uh, uh, you know multiple guys who can score, multiple guys who can do a lot for you. My only thing is that it comes down to the coaching. And if you're giving me a That's choice yeah. between Brad Stevens and Nick Nurse, uh, I'm sure Nick Nurse is uh, going to be a great coach, but a guy in his first year, I don't see him getting the better of a team that's coached by Brad Stevens, especially in a seven-game series. If it can't, if it does come down to the Raptors and the Celtics in the NBA final or in the Eastern Conference Finals, now you know what? who knows? I'll, I'll give you that. That's totally true. The the coaching advantage definitely goes to the Boston Celtics, right? And, definitely, I'll give you that. And who knows? Maybe it'll be Brett Brown against Nick Nurse in the Eastern Conference <laughs> Finals. And even then, I'd like Brett Brown, even though he didn't coach that well last year in the playoffs. Hey, either way, we'll find out soon enough. As mentioned, next Friday, we'll get a first taste of it, right? Toronto Raptors will take on the Boston Celtics. So we'll see how the two yeah. teams match up super early and everyone's healthy so far. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. But again, people, hit us up wherever you listen to the podcast or hit us up on Twitter. Let us know what you think. Who will be in the Eastern Conference Finals representing the Eastern Conference we definitely want to hear from you, and we're here. We're on Twitter interacting with fans, too, and talking back about what's going on. So we want to have that conversation. The conversation exists far beyond just this podcast alone. Yeah, right? listen, and on Tuesday, I'm planning on staying up late all night and watching basketball. I don't care how I feel at work the next day. If you are up watching basketball, hit me up. Hit Shelly up on Twitter. We'd love to talk to you guys as these games are going on and seeing if you're seeing the same things we are. Totally, 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 totally. So as always, too, we know that it's not only just basketball that we do on this podcast. We always have an Ask on Blast segment. And in said Ask on Blast segment, we take a question from the viewers, from the listeners, from a fan. And normally it's outside the game of basketball and it, it dabbles into a little pop culture. Nice. And this week we got a question from Richard. And Richard wants to know, did you guys catch the Chance the Rapper interview on the Joe Budden podcast? And if so, what did you think? Webby, pointing to you. Well, I didn't originally, but you sent me the uh, clips last night, told me to take a watch. Now, uh, like, my podcast queue is already longer than <laughs> super full. And I'm not the biggest Joe Budden guy either. 
Um, That's fair. But uh, I do like Chance. Uh, and I'm, I think he's a really interesting guy, a good artist. I love all of his music. So I was down to like watch these clips. First one I watched was about the Kanye thing. And I thought that, you know, it's funny. Like I thought that Chance said a lot without saying much. Exactly. <laughs> you yes. know, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Budden, yeah. Budden for, I, I, honestly, man, and I uh, got to give uh, Joe Budden his credit uh, where it's due. I thought that he did a really good job interviewing because he wasn't letting Chance get away with anything, especially yes. when it came to Kanye. Uh, when he was like, you know, when he was talking about the actual music um, that, that he puts out, you know, what have you, been, you know, tell me what his best albums are. And then Chance had his first two, and he's like, see, that's, yeah, he did, made trash after that. You know, he he yeah. he held Chance's feet up to the fire. Now, for sure. I thought it too. It was super cool. Like it might not have been in one of the clips that you saw, but later on they also talked about the fact that Chance was explaining how he did a bunch of work on Ye yeah. as well, but it never made the album. Yeah, exactly. And you could tell that exactly what you're saying where you could see Chance was saying a lot more than the words that were actually coming out of his mouth. Right. But that makes sense. Exactly what you were saying. You could tell that he was kind of salty about it. Yeah. Right? That he was kind of like wait, like I came out, we did all these tracks and the way that he worded it too, right? Because Joe Budden phrased it in terms of, oh, so you had a verse that they didn't use. And he's like, no, no, no. Like I wrote stuff for that. He said that, about, I gathered, he said that about Pablo too and how it was like a exactly. dark record. And he was like, it was supposed to be way lighter, but they took out everything that I wrote. Well, he said that the, well, he said at that time he was working on a lot of gospel stuff. And then that's where you get the ultralight beam from. That's where you're getting waves from. And it's funny because when you hear those songs, he's like, Joe Budden said it too. It's exactly what you're saying. He was super honest. He was like, oh, the songs that we like. Yeah, the best songs on the album. Exactly. (laughs) So I found that super interesting. Now, the other part that 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 I saw was about the independent artist thing. Yes. Now yes. this, I want to get into it because I'm sure you think opposite. I really, I, I, I tied it with Joe Budden on this. Yeah, and as, it, it's an interesting conversation. As much as I love Chance a Rapper, and I, I, I love what he does for the community of Chicago. I love his positivity. Um, I really, th- like, honestly, he's one of my favorite artists going right now. Everything that he does, I will listen to. I'm still waiting for that actual song that he, like, put out on Instagram with him in future. It's like the best song that I've heard in the last five years. And there's, it's not actually out. It's called my peak. So if you, if you go to YouTube and and type in my peak chance, rapper in future, it'll come up. It's two Instagram videos together and it's so fucking good, but I, I I love chance. So I preface that. uh, I preface what I'm going to say with that. Joe Budden's absolutely right. Chance rappers, not an independent artist. And him saying that he is and wearing that badge, he Chance even said, "Oh, it's not like I'm going around wearing that badge of an independent artist." He and Joe's like, "You he, are." <laughs> he is, and for all of the mil- hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of true independent artists, uh, yeah. whether it's music, movies, art, whatever, yeah. it takes away from what they do and the sacrifice they put out there. I understand. I, I understand. Chance owns all his own music and all his own uh, publication and all his own rights. That's awesome, and that's good for him. But what he got from Apple was not quite, like he said, not quite what Drake got. Yeah. But that 
that's not what an independent artist does. Yeah, it was super interesting, right? And you could tell there was a, a layer of semantics. Do you know what right. I mean? Because because what Chance was talking about was, hey, you can just call you can just call up Apple and it, what was the term they were using? Tick. Yeah, tick. <laughs> like if you basically have the hype around you, they'll listen to you. And it's like, well, that's kind of different than an independent artist. And I, I thought the beauty of the conversation between Joe Budden and Chance, like them going back and forth about being independent and what independence means, you're bang on, right? What Apple Music did is basically play the role of a label, <laughs> right? And I think Chance, like the, the beauty of the conversation was that they both were on different sides, but they both made, they both like acknowledged the other one being right at certain points. Because at one point Chance was like, well, I guess I wasn't independent for that three weeks or right. whatever the length was that it was exclusive to Apple, right? So, like, he does have an understanding of where Joe Budden's coming from the exact same way that Joe Budden had the understanding that, hey, at the end of the day, I appreciate what you did and I rep what you did because I want more people, you know, right, like more artists, more creators yeah. to take that chance on their own and find different ways to X out the middleman, which is the label. So I thought that was really cool. That's what made it a cool conversation. You had two people listening to each other who disagreed with each other, but were able to have a good dialogue. I thought that was really cool. And again, the reason I love Chance that he like completely disavowed Kanye. Like he was just openly saying like, "Oh no, I do not rep yeah, I don't him rhyme. with the hat." And I told him, "Yeah, he's like I told him that." Like, "Oh no, we had that conversation. I told him why he shouldn't wear the hat." And like, you could tell that he was being honest and just being real, right? And that was super cool. I thought that was amazing. I also thought as you said, him being honest about the music being bad and it makes me wonder too. Like, I like that you could really tell that he was mad. That hold on, I came out and worked with you on this Yay album, and you scrapped what I did. Like, I like that he was mad at that because you, you, there, there's got to be a level of, you know, you working with one person and you working with your boy, and you feel like him and Chance should be at that level where, almost like him and Cuddy are at, yeah. you know, where everything that Cuddy does basically ends up making it right. So it was interesting in that sense, but a dope interview. And overall, I know a lot of people are kind of on the fence on Joe Budden. And the reason why I love Joe Budden's podcast so much is because one, they're just having casual conversations as friends, but two, he does a lot of talking about creating and trying to give back to content creators and musicians and does a lot of talk about industry and how the industry works, right? And drops a lot of knowledge about where he kind of ran into yeah. trouble with the industry. You know what I mean? And kind of giving little tidbits about how to work through the the game, so to speak, right? And figure out ways to cut out the middleman because and to empower the creators, right? Because at the end of the day, none of this business, whatever it is, what whatever you're doing, podcasts or music or TV or whatever, none of this works without the creators, right? And so once you know that and you're empowered by that, you should be empowered by that. And that's a reminder that he's always dropping. That's why I read the Joe Bunn podcast. And, you know, you should it, add it. Find a way to add it to I'll the I'll tell you, it was somehow. pretty – my favorite part of it was when he got up and started walking away from the couch. And, and yes, Chance was yes. like – he's like, oh, I'm going to call up Migos now. 
I also just love the fact that Chance was like, oh, no, I watch you yeah. guys. Like, you know, like you guys are the culture. Like you guys are talking about stuff in the culture that we want to talk about. We want to hear about. And that's and how many places are you going to go for that? Right. And I think that's the beauty of the Internet. Whatever it is that you're into, the people decide what is right or wrong. Joe Budden could go to some TV station somewhere or BET or whatever, and they're going to tell him, no, 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 no. So did what did he do? He did it on his own, put it out there, and the people decide. That's the beauty of the internet in 2018. We focus on the negatives a lot, but one of the positives is that the people decide, not some gatekeeper that's not cool anyways, trying to decide what's cool and what <laughs> cool people want to listen to and rock with. It's decided by some gatekeeper that's not got- cool. We got to stop this conversation before it hits too close to home, Shelly. <laughs> no comments. No comments. <laughs> well, Webby, uh, on that note, where should the people hit Listen, you? You can find me. That's great. I'm so glad. You <laughs> I saw so where true. it was going. But <laughs> uh, you know, everybody, uh, everybody, listen. Uh, basketball is starting. Like this is the best time to hit me up on Twitter. That's usually where I'm at when I'm watching these games. At a Webster eighty four, like let's have some fun. Let's watch these games. Uh, figure out what's going on. Hit me up. Uh, I can't wait for Tuesday. Celtics Sixers. Oh, I'll, I got my Fultz. I got my MF Fultz shirt right here, ready to go. I'm <laughs> repping. I'm I'm fired up. I'm I cannot wait. Uh, Webby, I'm right there with you. And the second half of that back to back is OKC LA. And, uh, the oh, I thought it was right? LA. I think it's – oh, I think it's OKC oh, yeah. and the Warriors. We got to make sure. sure that Russ is going to play in that game. Either way, the NBA is finally here. We're here too. As, as Webby mentioned, hit them up for sure. You can also hit me up on Twitter at Shell Alexander or on Instagram at Shell Alexander. And shout out to the people that are liking and watching the videos on YouTube and on Facebook. Shout out to you. Continue to like it and subscribe and comment there with anything that – you might have that you want us to hear that we'll talk about on the podcast and of course shout out to the people following and liking and subscribing on itunes and the day ones the day one listeners on soundcloud greatly appreciate you guys we wouldn't still be doing it without y'all guys and girls of course not <laughs> never uh but, but we appreciate you and now that basketball's here i'm fired up can't wait till next week and as a wise man once said I used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. This is the Ball on Blast podcast, as always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next week, see ya. Peace. This is Ball on Blast, part of the On Blast podcast network, available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. If you like it, then subscribe and tell your friends. Holla. Ball on Blast.